when I think about taking up space, it's not just with our bodies. And I think that's another area where as women, we need to be comfortable being who we are. And if that means that we're bigger, Mm -hmm. then that's okay. Like step up to the front, raise your hand, take up space, speak up, say what's on your mind, be proud of who you are. This is your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 281 with guest Kelly Covert. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I have a confession to make. I'm going to just tell you this secret. (laughs) Okay. How many episodes do we have? Almost 300 at this point. And there are so many instances where I have to stop the intro and re-record because it's so incredibly awkward. And it's, I'm sure that there are other seasoned podcasters out there I've listened to their podcasts before, so I'm pretty sure that people have a script that they read from for their intro, unless they're just way more articulate than I am, because (laughs) I just, I don't plan anything out. If I have an announcement, I know what I'm going to say, but other than that, that's it. I don't even write out what I'm going to say in the announcement. It's just like, oh, I got to remember to remind people about that thing. And then I just start talking. And there's been so many instances where I'll start talking and say something. And then I'm like, what the hell was that? Like, (laughs) it's like when you're at a party and you don't know anyone and, you know, they're like, have a nice trip. And you're like, you too. And they're not going anywhere. And you're like, oh my God, what did I just say? I do that so many times. What would be hilarious if I did an outtake episode of just the dumb things that I say? It probably wouldn't be that funny to anyone else. And I delete them. So they're not around. But at any rate, I thought I would tell you in the hopes that you would think that that's funny. I do have an announcement because I told you last week that I was going to be making an announcement. This is something I've been thinking about for many, many, many months, and the timing was just never right, and I am so excited. We haven't officially started yet. Okay, so I'll just tell you what we're going to start doing over here on the podcast. And it's let me, let me, I know, the anticipation. It, it kicked off because there's been a couple of instances where I have gotten off the phone with clients, with private clients, and sometimes in in-group programs where it's been a group call, and the client will have brought something, and I have coached them on it, and I was like, damn, I wish that that was on the podcast, A, because it was powerful for the client, they had a breakthrough, and B, because It's something that so many people struggle with. The topic that they brought is completely universal. And I'm just like, I wish more people could hear that, could hear this conversation, could hear this coaching session, because I know it would help so many people. All that to say, you might have figured it out by now, I'm going to start coaching people here on the podcast. And the people who get to apply for those spots are my patrons. So all of y'all listening who have been such loyal patrons, some of you have been loyal patrons for almost a year. 
you people who support this podcast can apply to be coached here with me. Full free. There's no charge for it. It costs you zero dollars, just about an hour of your time. And it can be completely anonymous. We will just use your first name. I'm super pumped to do this. So patrons, go over to the Patreon page and check out the link over there. I'm not announcing it here. So if you want to apply to be coached by me, then head your booty over there to patreon.com slash Y-K-A-L. That link will be in the show notes. You can read about the other perks that we have over there for supporting the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you for listening and to my patrons for supporting this show. It's a way for me to give back to you and a way for people to understand what coaching actually looks like and to be helped vicariously through other people's topics that they so vulnerably and courageously bring here. I am so excited about this. I hope it goes well. Oh man. No, I really am excited. I'm I'm really, really excited about it. And again, head on over to patreon.com slash Y-K-A-L. And number two thing I'm very excited about is this conversation with Kelly Covert. I love this woman and I have no doubt that you will too. Let me tell you a little bit about her before we jump in. Kelly Covert is an inner voice coach with a passion for helping women believe and achieve their big vision by connecting deeply with the wisdom that is inside of them, all while owning their worthiness each and every day. Through her intuitive, heart-centered coaching, she helps women awaken their true power as creators and world changers. So without further ado, here is Kelly. (laughs) Kelly, thanks so much for being on the show. Andrea, thanks so much for having me. I have been on your show. Have I been on more than once or just the one time? I think you've been on twice. I think I have been on twice. That's right. Mm -hmm. And we'll pop those links in the show notes because obviously I was an amazing guest. (laughs) Of course you were. I had you back again. That's a good good clue that you were amazing the first time. Well, we had so much fun and I, I told you, I'm like, you have to come on my show because you talk about some of the same things that I talk about. And I love having people on that do that so they can hear it in another explanation, in another voice. And I love that you are the inner voice coach. And you actually, like, that's what, you you know, that's what you do, inner voice coaching, and you help women get connected with their voice of truth. So let's kind of start from the beginning. What does that mean? Because what we talk about a lot of times over here on this podcast is the inner critic and that voice in your head, that chatter that tells you all the things that are your excuses, comparisons, et cetera. So tell us sort of your, you know, your little elevator speech or whatever, like how does someone become more connected to the voice of truth? Like, what is it? Well, it, it, you're right that we have many voices that can talk to us from inside of ourselves. And 100%, I am very, very familiar and comfortable with my inner critic or my inner mean girl, as I call her. Man, she's mean. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, what your inner voice is, is your inner voice is is that that place inside of you. And I believe that it is divine. Um, I don't think you have to believe that in order to be able to hear it. So whatever your belief system is, but it's the place that reminds you, you matter, you are here for a reason, you were created 
with certain ideas, with certain gifts, with certain talents, and I am here to help you use them. I am here to help you live a life that feels fulfilling, that feels aligned with your best, most true self, and that will be joyful and that will be fun and not necessarily not difficult, but like allow you to move in the world in a way that feels really, really good to you. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love all of that. And what are, where would you start with someone? If I ask the question, how does someone start to, because we hear, I'm sure you hear this question a lot. I I can't Mm -hmm. decipher between what is my inner critic and what is my intuition, you know, which is this voice of fear and which is my inner wisdom voice. So where do you start with people and get them into the practice of quieting that negative self-talk so that they can listen more to their inner voice? That is such a good question. And you're right. I think a lot of people are at that point of like, okay, I, I I know how to hear the inner mean girl all of the time, but I can't shut down the chatter enough to get connected to that voice of truth. And I think you're exactly right when you say practice. You need to practice. You need to practice listening. And that can look like a lot of different ways. I love journaling. I love meditation. I love breath work. I love setting an Attention every day. I love taking a step back when you're feeling triggered or when you're feeling like you're beating yourself up and really analyzing the, the sound of the voice, the feeling of the voice that you're hearing. It's a lot of how something feels in your body to me, but it's about practicing that. You know, you can't do it one time and then think that everything is going to switch and that you're never going to hear the mean girl voice uh-huh. again. And I I share this very openly. I have a very strong inner critic and she does not shut up. And I've been doing this work for a really, really long time. And I think that the difference between now in my life and 10 years ago in my life is that I can say to her, hey, I hear you but there is a deeper voice within me that will show me the way. Like I don't need that. Mm -hmm. And so I can't, it's not really about shutting down the critic that's going to be there, but it's about learning to discern the difference through daily practice. Amen, Kelly. I agree with everything you said. And I just want to underscore some of the things. It's about, I always say it's about managing it, not eradicating it and it will still show up and it's learning. Also want to point out that you said that you acknowledge it. It's not about beating it up. It's not about bullying the bully back. It's about just acknowledging it. I always say your inner critic has one job and that's to keep you in your comfort zone. It's just trying to do its job. It gets showing Mm -hmm. up every day with its uniform on, like I'm here (laughs) and that's, that's what it is. Well, Okay. And I have a couple of, of questions in which directions that we can go on. And and this one's popping up for me because recently I have a signature program that I run. It's the Your Kick-Ass Life Mentorship Masterclass. And one of the women in there was talking about how this particular woman is constantly on the go. She's, you know... Um, working a lot and also has endured a lot of really traumatic events is what they are. She was uh, a business deal that went south and had a, a really difficult childhood. And she does meditate every day. And 
does all of the things that she's told. And she said, I really feel like I've lost touch with my intuition. I don't hear her anymore. And so what do you say to someone like that? Who's really, really struggling, who feels like they're checking off all the boxes and trying to get quiet and be in nature and all of those things. And it's just, just really struggling in that area. I would say change it up. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that especially, I mean, the kind of women that I work with generally are, um, super smart, super driven, ambitious, um, typically overachievers, typically perfectionist type of gals. And that was also me 10 years ago. And I think that sometimes we feel like if we just do all of the things right and we check all of them off and we're going to be doing them, but we have to think about with what intention we're doing them. Are you sitting down for 10 minutes to meditate? And I, I would even do like quotes around that word to meditate because like, it's the thing that you know you need to do. Is is it the thing that, that someone told you to do it? And so you're going to do it and you're going to check off that box every day. Or do you really have the intention of coming to stillness of coming to quiet and listen. So sometimes you have to change up that routine. You have to try something different, try some, free flow journaling, Mm -hmm. which is super hard, um, for high performers because they want everything to like be pretty. (laughs) And, you know, I, I say to people when they come to journaling, set aside your need to feel like you have to perform right now. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be good. And to tell a high achiever that something doesn't have to be good, it's like, does not compute, Right. right? Like, what do you mean? It doesn't have to be good. And, um, to, to really allow yourself to be taken really out of, like you said, out of your comfort zone Mm -hmm. that right now she's in a comfort zone. And I think that that has created um, some disconnection from that inner voice. And you just have to like put yourself in a new place and try on some different things to see how that works. And I, I would also just, you know, without talking to her and without knowing her, I just feel like. I wonder if that's really the truth. Is she really out of touch with her intuition or is she ignoring it? Because I think that sometimes we do what we think we should do and then we feel the rub of being out of alignment and we pay attention to the rubbing. We pay attention to the friction. We're like, oh, why do I feel this way? It doesn't feel good. And really deep down inside, we know why we just are choosing not to do that thing. Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot of being honest with yourself and taking responsibility for where you are. And that's challenging because it means admitting maybe I've been going down the wrong path for a little while, but the beauty of that is it all becomes part of your story. It doesn't have to be a regret. It doesn't have to be something that you did wrong or a failure it can be about creating a new story, a more powerful story for your life in which you learn and you grow and you change, and then you can impact others in doing that too. Yeah. Yes to all of that. I also told her that she might be too attached to the outcome. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we find all these tools and we feel like we've kind of come home in a sense to... And, and trust me, like I teach science-based methodology in my signature program and it's, I love it because it's like, no, this, there's research that has been done. Sci- it's science. 
And at the same time, I tend to attract these women. And I'm like raising my hand over here too, where I want to see these results and we become very attached to the outcome of it. Like I want a solution. I want to get from point A to point B. And I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, but I think that we, we think it's going to be on a certain timeline. And we want it to be on our terms. <laughs> and the universe well, is then like, we that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Then we have control. I mean, right. I think that's what all of us who sort of put ourselves into this, you know, kind of personality want. Like yeah. I want to have complete control over the situation. And by letting go of expectations, you're also letting go of controlling that situation. But I think also the beautiful thing about that is letting go of expectations allows you to be more present in the moment. Mm -hmm. And it also allows for something greater than you could have imagined. And I really hold on to that too. Sort of the idea of this or something better. You know, it doesn't have to look the way that I want it to look for it to be a success. Exactly. That's, that's the bottom line of it. And and that's what I told her. I said, my hunch is that you are in, and maybe this isn't the right word, but it's, it's a state of grief and just a state of rest. You know, you don't have to be having these huge successful leaps and bounds and these epiphanies and these aha moments. I need to record a podcast episode about that. Like the comparing yourself to other people's transformation, I see all over the goddamn place. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what if this is just a time for quiet? And we, we need seasons like that. We need like oh. right now, as we're recording this, like I'm in a season of huge growth of like massive up leveling. And I know what's coming. Mm -hmm. after this. I don't know if it's going to be at the end of this year. I don't know if it's going to be next year. I don't know when, but I mean, I hope it's not a crash and burn, but there's definitely going to be a season where I'm just quieter and I am resting. And I I think that we need to do that in personal development and and the whole like surrendering and trusting the process. (sighs) That's hard. Yeah. And I think we have to honor it. Yeah. You know, it's not even about, I think, I'm the same way I go in cycles like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I, when I feel myself start to go in that cycle, I tend to judge it. Like, Do you mean the cycle of resting me? or just... Yeah, a okay, cycle yeah, of turning yeah. inward. A cycle of turning inward. What's mm-hmm. wrong with me? Get it together. I must be in a funk. I was just and on I fire. What it. happened? Yeah. Yeah. And instead, and it usually takes me, you know, sometimes longer than, than others. It takes me a while to realize, oh, I need to hibernate for a little bit. Yeah. And everything is still going to be there when I come out and that's okay. And I, you just have to trust that. And that's trusting your inner voice. That's trusting your intuition. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that either. If you have incoming, all of these, um, people, things in your life saying, no, this is the way you have to do it. No, this is the way you have to show up every day. No, this is the way it's really about finding your own way and trusting your own way. And that's going to be what feels right, but you have to do it. You have to trust it. And that's, that's the scary part. Yeah. And another reason I got the word surrender tattooed on my arm, because that's what it's about. It's, it's surrendering to my own inner compass and inner guide. And I love that. I I love that we kind of took a turn in that direction. And I, and I want to sort of switch gears because you have, uh, actually I think it's an older blog post it might just be from like a couple of years ago called take up space. And it's sort of a poem and I would just love to hear, and we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. Cause I think everyone should go and read it, but I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on taking up space in the world and, and really what are some small steps that people can take towards that? 
Mm, I love this. I don't even remember what I wrote. I'll have to go back and read it. But the idea of taking up space is something that I sat with for a really long time because I think as women, at least I, I shouldn't I shouldn't generalize. For me, I was taught that you don't speak up, that you know, good girls stay quiet, that good girls are a certain size, and you see the theme of being good, mm-hmm. right? And, and that, you know, if you are excited about something that you, you did, that that was bragging and, you know, like girls, good girls don't do that, you know? And I just, it really, I still remember from a time from when I was six, I won an award and I was so excited Uh and I had, had a big trophy. And I remember walking out to our car from the award ceremony and I was like telling everybody and my mom said to me, you know, stop bragging. That's, that's not <gasps> oh, nice. Oh no. And it stuck with me. And I think when I think about taking up space, it's not just with our bodies. And I think that's another area where as women, we need to be comfortable being who we are. And if that means that we're bigger, mm-hmm. then that's okay. Like step up to the front, raise your hand, take up space speak up, say what's on your mind, be proud of who you are. And men don't really seem to have a problem doing that. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> you know, it's it seems to be something that they're encouraged well, to do from a young age. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I think as women, we need to understand that we are allowed to do that. But the only person that you have to have permission from is yourself. So I can look back on my experience and I can say, well, you know, it's because my mom said this to me, but once I'm an adult, it's my responsibility. It's not about what my mom said to me anymore. It's about me deciding that I am worthy, that I am allowed to, to be here and that I can be myself and be here and that that's okay. And knowing that, that not everyone is going to be okay with that. True story. Yes. And this is what, when you told that story of your six-year-old self with the trophy, it reminded me of, if anyone's a um, a loyal listener to the podcast, they probably heard my episode on, it was called My Ode to Chacha de Gregorio from the movie Grease. And are you familiar with that character at all, Kelly? I know the movie, but like I said, okay. I'm so bad at, I'm so bad You're at You're not a pop culture person. Culture. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, she's, she's not a very well-liked character and she plays a very small part, but she is, she does not go to their school and she, in the very beginning of the movie, she meets these, she's being introduced to these people and the, her date says, this is Charlene. And she said, they call me Cha-Cha because I'm the best dancer at St. Bernadette's. And then somebody makes a remark about her and slut shames her. But like she meets these people and tells them that she's the best dancer at St. Bernadette's. And then she wins the dance contest later in the movie. The teacher comes out with the trophy and she snatches the trophy out of the teacher's hand. Doesn't even wait for them to hand it to her. And she's waving it around in the air and dancing. And I remember being a child and watching her and thinking like, wow. (laughs) That? How cool is she? I want to be her friend. And everybody loved Sandy and Rizzo and Frenchie and they were okay. But I, but painfully insecure in so many ways. But I was like, this cha-cha lady, like if I could just have an ounce of her confidence and what mm-hmm. she represents. But then at the same time, she was not a well-liked character. People were like, ew, cha-cha. And I'm like, what? No, we need more of cha-cha. And 
so much of that. And yes, yes, yes. Taking up space. And I, this, the whole thing around, I was just having a conversation with a friend this morning about that. And I was, we were talking about powerful women and and being around powerful women. And I was telling her, I didn't have, I, I come from a legacy of strong women in terms of speaking up and things like that, but, but still very much, I didn't have any representation of successful women in terms of career and financially. My mom, both my parents worked retail. They had really great pensions and it was like an old union that they were part of. And like, that was my future. Like that, that, that's what they wanted for me. And, and I remember thinking like, um, I don't, I don't, think that's for me. (laughs) But but it was like, that was, that was the path that was set out before me. And that was the smart thing to do. That was the safe thing to do. And I just remember like when I started this business and started to see like, oh, I can, like my earning potential is infinite. Like I can create whatever I want. And that's what I want my daughter to see, you know, just sort of like peek over the fence and like, oh, guess what? Like there's all these other options there for you. And as an adult, I had to learn what you're just talking about, like taking up space and being okay with it. Still at the age I am now, these are the topics I'm bringing to my own coach and the discomfort and having to work through old messaging and old conditioning that taking up space is for girls like Chacha Dre Gregorio who have no friends, who yeah. nobody likes, who get slut shamed. Like, but and it's still this weird, I mean, I get goosebumps talking about it now because I'm still working through it. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think what is a really good thing to pay attention to, and I know I do this, when I get triggered by another woman taking yes. up space, mm-hmm. right? A lot of times we'll go to that, um, sort of that default reaction that that was programmed inside of us like yep. when I was six, right? Mm-hmm. That was programmed in me when I was six. That like nice girls don't do that. Who does she think and, she is? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so when I get triggered by another woman, now I have the awareness built in that I can step back and be like, huh. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. What is it about this situation that's triggering me? Um, what can I acknowledge in what she's doing? And also, how can I own that in my own self? Like, how can I acknowledge that I'm afraid to be that way or that I don't want to be that way? Like, what what does that mean? And if you give yourself a chance to unpack it a little bit, that can be so helpful to understanding what it is, the thing that you're ashamed of Mm -hmm. or that you're afraid of being accused of. Yes. And that, that is growth right there. When you can like turn the mirror on yourself and and I don't always think that there's like that saying that floats around in personal development that like when you're judging someone else, it's something about yourself. I don't actually think that's hands down hundred percent always the case, but I had a similar experience and it's, it's so funny. And I've told her this story so I can tell it on the air. I may have told it before, but I hired Susan Hyatt has been a friend of mine for forever. And she's a few years ahead of me in this industry, in this business. And I hired her recently to be a part of her, um, her high level mastermind. And just like a year before that I had unfollowed her on Facebook because I was so fucking triggered (laughs) by her. She does like a lot of photo shoots. And then I remember scrolling through Facebook and seeing yet another picture of Susan Hyatt in some evening gown in Paris. And I remember saying out loud, how many photo shoots does one woman need 
in France. And I unfollowed her. And I mean, Kelly, it was not even like five seconds later, I thought to myself, ooh, what's going on with you, Andrea? Because it's not like me to do that. And I'm like, there is something that I'm triggered by because of that. And so I sat with it and you know, circled back. I don't remember how many months later I was like, I wonder what Susan's been up to and then started following again. And and I've told her that story and we had a good laugh about it. But I think that shows real growth when you can, when you can just, and I love that you said that's interesting. That's one of my mantras that I say, like when I find myself judging or beating myself up or getting angry, like I just say like, well, that's interesting and take a better peek at it. Like what's going on. And that in and of itself has been hugely helpful for me. Oh my gosh, totally. Like it's just information. Yeah. Like that feeling that I'm feeling, that emotion that's coming up. I am feeling that, but also it's just information and I can decide what to do with that information and if I'm going to put it to use or not. And, you know, my recommendation as a coach is put it to use, like learn from it. But, you know, to the point of unfollowing people, I, I, in the recent past, unfollowed probably 200 women (laughs) that I, um, admire and many that I know personally and, um, and they're doing great things. And I think the the reason that I followed unfollowed was not because I was feeling triggered by them, but because I was comparing myself Mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is something to be said for removing yourself from that. Like if you're not ready to dig in, removing that trigger can be a first step. Just like for you, you removed it and then you came back Mm -hmm. and, and now you, you know, you have a relationship with this person. I think that that's, that's a good first step if you're not sure what to do with it, or if you don't have someone to help you unpack it. Yeah. I, I teach that too. I tell people to unfollow people that are making, that it's just like, they feel like shit when they're, they're following that person and then also do the work. So that's not the last step to just unfollow exactly. them and think that you're going to be, you're going to be in a better place. So there's definitely stuff to be, stuff to be done there. Yeah. Wanna, it's, a, it's that personal responsibility piece. Yes. Like unfollow it and then take responsibility for, for the why behind that. Yeah. I, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk, cause you mentioned it at the top of the the interview about perfectionism. And I know a lot of my audience struggles in that place. So what it, what is your definition of perfectionism? And you call it an addictive cycle. So I'd love to hear your take on that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, so perfectionism is the the need and desire to present yourself as being perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, doing no wrong, always nailing it, always being 100%. And there's no such thing as that. And so what happens is, is we try and every now and then we may graze close, you know, to, to feeling that perfection. And so we get a hit, we get that affirmation, we get that external pat on the back, you know, that acknowledgement that, oh, you're doing a great job, or I have no idea how you keep it all together. How do you make everything look so good? And then the high of that goes away as soon as we know inside that we didn't really do that good of a job, mm-hmm. you know, because only you know how not perfect it is, Yeah. no matter what you're trying to present to the outside. Only you know that you didn't give it 100% or that you made this little mistake or that this thing happened, right? There's always going to be 
something. Mm -hmm. And that's life. Like that is being human. And so if we're going from like moment to moment of trying to feel that feeling and then being pulled back, it just like, we just want more of that. So we're just going to try harder to get that external affirmation. And we're never going to feel satisfied because really we're living a big lie. Um, all perfectionism is, is a way to protect ourselves from having ever anyone knowing how not perfect we are. How human we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and the funny thing about that is, you know, like I think intellectually we know there's nothing, no such thing as being perfect, but yet still we're striving, striving, striving all of the time for that and still always feeling shitty mm -hmm. about it <laughs> yeah, because because we're never going to get there. And so for, for me on a personal level, like perf overcoming perfectionism, by the way, a constant journey that I will always <laughs> be on for the right. rest of my life um, is about acknowledging when that need comes up, when I feel the feeling of, I want this to be perfect or, or when I feel myself pulling back from something because I know it won't be like, oh, I don't want to do that because there's no way I'm going to be able to nail it. Or, you know, I don't think I'm going to put myself out there because I'm afraid of failing or whatever the thing is. Or when I know I'm, I'm sort of like pulling for that external affirmation, mm -hmm. I can really just take a step back and be like, oh, there she is again, that perfectionist. And it's okay. You know, she helps me. Like that perfectionist, dang, she's a hard worker. And she will go to the ends of the earth to help somebody to, to make something really, really good. There is a level of excellence that my perfectionist brings to everything that I do that I love. And I can also acknowledge that it's never going to be perfect anymore. And I can give myself my own affirmation. I don't need that from other people. It's nice. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Like I like a good pat on the back, but who I really need that from is myself. I really need to say to myself, good job. You, your kids are alive today. Good job. <laughs> right. Very good parenting. <laughs> you got them off to school. Yeah. You know, nobody hit and hit each other this morning. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone had everything that they needed. Um, and I, I just feel that the more I grow into the knowingness that that perfection is not required, that I'm allowed to love myself right where I am. I don't need to prove it, prove to myself that I'm good enough anymore. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh. That, that whole thing just sort of had me like, I felt like I was on a cloud just listening to like a wise woman, <laughs> you. which you are. But I'm not on the cloud. Um, I I loved everything that you said about that, and and I too believe that perfectionism is a cycle addiction. And I talk about it just slightly different, but it's it's the exact same thing. And it's you know we perfectionism is born from a place of trying to avoid criticism, judgment, and shame. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting when you know I teach shame resilience as part of you know my my deeper program and people are like, but I don't really walk around feeling ashamed. And I'm like, well, do you struggle with perfectionism? And they're like, yeah. Well, and I'm like, well, then shame is running your life because mm -hmm. you're doing that in an effort to avoid it. And so, and then they make the connection and they're like, oh snap. So. Right. And you know, the thing about that is if you are 
actively avoiding shame, that means you're feeling it every day. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's not working. It's Mm -hmm. never going to work to try to avoid that because it's there. You aren't avoiding it. You're living in it. And when we start to um, unplug from that and take off the shields and really um, allow people to see us as we are, then people say, oh, Oh, I'm like that too. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. Like, oh, I had no idea that other people felt this way. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it it creates a point of connection, I think, um, to be human, exactly. to be, to be beautiful in that way. It is. And I love that you said that, like it's, it's, it's really beautiful and never underestimate the power of the feeling of common humanity of realizing that you're not, cause shame is a very lonely emotion and feeling like part of it is feeling like you're the only one and common humanity is knowing that you're not knowing that your struggles are the same as everyone else's somebody, you know, there might not be somebody who has the exact same scenario as you did, but there are people many, 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 many people who have felt the same way that you do. And Mm -hmm. I think that that when we do that, we can explore self-compassion so much easier and, and also understand the difference. I think this is important. And I wrote about this in my second book, understand the difference between striving for excellence, which I love (laughs) and crossing over the line into perfectionism. And actually Brene Brown says this very beautifully. She says, perfectionism is the thought of what will they think and striving for excellence is what will I think. So it's inward focused versus outward focused. Mm -hmm. I love that conversation because I think that it's, it's, it's a really fine line and it's something that I still bump up against because I do like doing a good job at things. You know, I do like being excellent. And, um, I think that you have to, it takes a lot of self-awareness to, understand how to want more in your life and love yourself where you are right now. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how can I want to lose some weight and also love myself as I am right now? Yeah. It's possible. It's possible, but it, it takes work. You know, it takes that daily practice of connecting down into the place of you that says you don't have to earn it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you, you are here, you are loved, you are worthy because you were born, not because you've done anything, not because of what you haven't done, but because you are here because you are being, and, um, it, it just, you always need to give yourself that reminder. Yes. Okay. I have one more question for you and yes. it's around what you call inspired potential. So can you describe that further? And, and, and basically from what I understand, it's like the to using the power already inside you to make choices that align with your vision and your inner voice. So talk to us about that. Yeah. Okay. So I found potential to be this like word among high achieving women that is heavy right? I'm not living up to my potential. I I know that I can do more. I know that there's more for me, or maybe even I thought I would be further along by now. Uh-huh. That feeling of not feeling fulfilled, of feeling like life has happened to you, but 
you haven't really had much control over that, that you've just floated along and here you are and this is where you've landed and you don't really like it very much. And um, I love the idea of inspired potential because potential really is about unused energy. And that is not something that is like a, a line in the sky that you shoot for. Your unused energy or power, like I like to call it, is inside of you. And so when you're tapping into your inspired potential, it's not about something that you have to live up to. It's about something that you live into. Mm -hmm. And the way that you do that is you begin to understand your superpowers. You begin to understand your strengths. You begin to understand your purpose here on earth and what that looks like and what that feels like to be that. And you use the power that is inside of you to drive yourself forward in action. And I like to call it inspired action towards those goals that your inner voice has set for you. And even lately, I've been feeling like I don't even love the word goals to tell you the truth. I mean, (laughs) yeah, sort of a, yeah, I I feel you. I think goals are good to have, but to me, it's just about like take like moving forward one step at a time, always being connected to your inner voice and understanding that sometimes that means making choices that are surprising, that are unexpected, that are Mm -hmm. different than what people think that you should do, and trusting it. And then finding the power there. It's just another kind of practice. But inspired potential is like my favorite thing these days to talk about because I think that it's so, it feels so free mm-hmm. to know like that's inside of me. I don't have to live up to that. I just have to tap into it. Yeah. And when I do tap into it, that is powerful. We are already powerful people. It's all there for us to use. We just have to do it. Amen, sister. It reminds me of a a podcast episode I did earlier this year. I'll pop it in the show notes because if y'all haven't listened to it, you missed out. And the title of it is called Be Practical. And it stemmed from a coaching session I had with a client who... You know, and and in this work, we're trained to hear certain things, even if it's just a handful of words that the client says or a sentence or something. Sometimes they like... they kind of jump over it. And she said this one line and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, back up. Long story short, she th- she held on to this belief that the thing that she really wanted to do, the thing that brought her the most joy was impractical. Mm-hmm. And and I and it was not like she was thinking I want to leave my family and my children behind and join the circus, you know, and like travel the world and never speak to them again like that. I might be like that's a that's a little bit impractical, but if that's your thing, you know. <laughs> I'm not here to judge, but it wasn't like, it really wasn't from where I'm sitting, but she had this belief that it was impractical. And I think that the reason I thought of it is because I feel like so many people, when they think of their superpowers or they think of the thing that brings them so much joy, they think of it as impractical. And it's not that you need, and I also think what happens, what's happening a lot on social media and things like that. It's like, you have to go and do the thing you're passionate about for a living and make money from it. And I'm, and I'm like, hold on. Yeah. I'm here to tell you that that is great. And it's a J O B like this is, this is a job. And I I love that so much. This has been coming up a lot with my (laughs) clients as well. Like, well, but this is, this is the direction I feel like my inner voice is taking, but I don't know how I could, how I could make that a business. And I was like, well, who says you have to make it a business? Yeah. 
And, and my client was like, wait a minute, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> wait a minute. What you mean? I, I don't have to make it a business. And I think that that's in I, certain circles, especially on social media, it's like, you have to be working your passion. And I 100% don't believe that. I think it's great if you do fantastic, but it's not required. Right. It's not. And I, I mean, there's been, and me personally, like I bought into that whole, like, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And I'm like, um, I I do what I love and I'm working. And I, I think that like, would I want to trade it in? No, but I just want people to know that that's, it's not all unicorns farting rainbows all the time. I actually wrote a blog post years ago that was called in defense of the day job, where it was, it was just talking about this and how just don't, don't have stars in your eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Still a lot of hard work and it's amazing. But I, I do think that Oh gosh, even if if it's if it's a hobby, just make it a hobby. Even if it's 10 minutes a day, that's what I encourage yeah. people to do. Just like what is your creativity? What is the thing that you love doing that you think is impractical? Go and do that even if it's just for 10 minutes 3 times a week. And you know, it's funny that you mentioned like running away to the circus the circus because I have a friend who is a musician and she goes to circus school like 3 times a week and does flying trapeze. trapeze. Mm-hmm. You know, it it doesn't have to be like blowing up your life in order to tap into that thing that gives you, that gives you life. Yeah. I mean, is it really a life if you're feeling like, I guess this is it? (laughs) I don't think so. Yeah. Is it? That's, that's why I started. That's why I jumped into life coaching because I always used to say like, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And everyone's version of kicking ass is going to look different. Mm-hmm. And it's up to us to figure out what our version is. So, and and the thing is, is, you know, it like when you're yeah. living that life, regardless of what it looks like to anyone else, you are in such alignment inside of you. Remember I talked about that rub, the friction, mm-hmm. you're not feeling that because you have, like you said, your, your words, you have a kick-ass life and only you can define what that right. life is. And it doesn't have to look like anybody else's. And when we listen to our inner voice, most likely that's, that's where it will lead us to a place that is so uniquely you, but it feels so right. Word. I think that is an amazing conclusion for this entire conversation. Kelly, thank you so much for being here. I've so enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for having me, Andrea. It was so fun. It is so fun. And everyone, as always, I'm so incredibly grateful for your time here, the fact that you choose to spend it with me and if I'm with a guest. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. And you can find all the links that we talked about in the show notes. And why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Where do you like to hang out on the internets? Mm, 100%. So my favorite place to hang out is on Instagram. Mm -hmm. You can find me at Kelly J. Covert. I do um, lots of stories and um, I post about three times a week, but I really love hanging out in stories and connecting with people there. So come say hi. And you can learn more about my services and some of the courses that I have available, including tapping into your inspired potential and overcoming perfectionism on my website at kellycovert.com. Amazing. Thank you so much, everyone. And until next time, I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye.